Welcome to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, sir. Good morning. How are we doing today? Daryl, you sound much better. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, well, and I tell you, I had a scare too because, um, uh, yeah, I had, I had a cold for a week. And the thing is, these days, um, <laughs> you know, that makes you, you know, COVID, COVID, COVID. I fortunately got tested twice um, last Wednesday, uh, once by myself and then once part of the pool. But before uh, I found out that I was negative, the nurse let me know that I was uh, in a pool that was had a positive in it. So I'm heading off to get tested by her again. What's the point of that? Is that just to scare people unnecessarily? That seems no, 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 no. The, the pool testing makes a lot of sense. Um, it's way cheaper. You put fifteen people in there, and then if they're if there's if they're all negative, boom. There's um, you know you don't have to do anything else. So it's one test rather than fifteen tests. The only you know when there is a positive test, then you have to retest. So oh, that's oh that's odd. I never understood. Yeah, no, is it's really efficient. It's really a, efficient. Is that kind of a new strategy? No, it's been around for a while. It's been huh. around for a while. It, it works really, really well. Um, the other thing that's very interesting about Omicron is its connection to the amount of virus found in the wastewater in Boston Harbor, <laughs> and it's way down. It's way down. So, which means, and that's predicting what's going to happen in the very near future. Because um, I think in Massachusetts, the um, Omicron is going to go down huh, very soon. Daryl, bringing all sorts of knowledge this morning. Yeah. Beautiful. I learned well, You know what they that. say, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. <laughs> well, and as, as always with Daryl's knowledge, we'll have to double check it. Just make sure he sounded pretty sure of himself. So could be that. Uh, yeah, this one so. I'm pretty sure of. <laughs> <laughs> but now when we get into sports, I, I, I won't. But listen, I want to make sure that we give a shout out to Australia and benching Djokovic. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You know, rich guy who thinks he can get in. Now, maybe he got misled by somebody. I don't know. Because there was somebody in Australia that maybe said, you know, uh, whatever. But he made obvious lies or what has he said mistakes by his agent on his application, um, you know, saying that he hadn't seen anybody in 14 days. So he got, you know, if you're in Australia, they've had it really tough. We've all had it really tough. They've had it really tough. They've been isolated and they haven't been able to do anything. And so all the people sitting there, if they saw a rich guy, you know, get by the, uh, you know, no, no vaccines, uh, no unvaccinated in, they would have been very upset. So I, I, I really, I'm glad they did it. Well, and especially with him in particular, because he's such an a-hole, you know, and, and there, there've been a, like, there's, he's a great, great, great player. He is, he's but he's always player. been kind of a, a, a jerk yeah. and he's, you know, it's yeah, funny. Absolutely. There's a lot, been a lot of these personalities throughout tennis. He's just sort of the latest one, but yeah. But, I, you know, it's just pointing out that what's left is a disease of the, uh, unvaccinated well you know, it but affects again, us as, but it's it's that's what as, it is as we had to scream at matt for half the show last week it, it still affects a lot of people beyond the unvaccinated and you know we've talked about that so my mom actually sent me a text uh, after she listened to the show and told me to be nicer to matt that she appreciates <laughs> 
that she appreciates that he sees things from all sides. And I told her that your mom is lovely. Thank you. I told her that he didn't need any more encouragement. But. Well, I, he is um, surrounded by two progressives. I mean, you you've progressed a lot farther than me, but you know we're progressives, and and you know he's uh, he's more moderate. So uh, he's a good balance for us, Joe. Well, and he did right. He keeps us honest. And I think yeah. the 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 point I had was that even the people that who aren't who aren't keeping themselves vaccinated, they're right. They might be the only ones that get seriously ill, but there are impacts far beyond that. And you know, and including this friggin' neck surgery that I've needed for two years, which oh, I'm it's been put, put off. off wow. Well, wow. I just I don't want to at this point don't want to overload the hospital like yeah. first yeah. of all i don't want to be around a cloud right. of covid right and i don't you know these people are so overworked aside from the fact that i don't want to overwork them anymore i'm a little bit afraid of that the quality of some of the care might be yeah. not quite as good too because you can only do so much you know the, the human body even even nurses and pas and doctors have have limits like they're super people but they're not yeah. super people. No, it's so. been very very tough on them. So, a lot of lot of deaths this week outside sports, kind of a weird week. Uh Meatloaf, Meatloaf, Louie Anderson, Bob Saget, you know, all sort of people I'm not who... familiar with those two comedians. Are you you guys? Louie Anderson, really? Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. If, yeah, if you haven't seen him in Baskets, it's, you know, Zach Galifianakis, the guy from The Hangover yeah. with the yeah. beard. Uh, he had a show where he played twin brothers and Louis Anderson played his mom. Fantastic show called Baskets. They're, they own a rodeo in Bakersfield, four seasons. So I think it's, it's, it's available around. Check it out. It's called Baskets. Yeah. Great show. And like all three of them sort of, and you hear this occasionally when celebrities die, but you hear this specifically with these three that anyone who came across them in their real life just had nothing but gushing things to say about them as people. And there aren't a whole lot of those people around in any realm. So it's nice to see because, they're, you know, Hollywood does breed a particular type of shallow. You know, there's plenty of Alec Baldwin's out there and, you know, Kanye West and that sort of thing. But you know, it's I didn't nice shoot to the guy. Yeah, you see the you see the. The bullet, the gun in my hand, but I didn't shoot the guy. That was was that the summer or even after the summer? Yeah, I want to say. I think it was within a calendar year. Definitely, yeah. I, that, but and that again, like sort of the the action without consequences. We could probably do a whole show about that. But, but back to the the three nice people. Yeah. You know, it's it was it was nice to see all that, and it sort of sent me back. You know, meatloaf was that was like the soundtrack of my sophomore and junior years of high school, yeah. even though it had come out a few years before that. Was that it was bad out of hell? Was that ever part of your listing rotation, Matt? Yeah, really. Yeah. It's it is it is still universal. That's really comforting to know because that is a very, very I mean, I still I still listen to it all the time. And I, I don't think and I don't like Bob Saget didn't have that. Like I didn't watch, I watched a little bit of Full House when it first came on, but I think I was too old for it, and I never watched Funniest Home Videos. But I was a fan of his stand-up, which was very unlike his character. On, yeah, he was pretty raunchy. Yeah, and he was hilarious. I mean, he was yeah. hilarious, kind of underrated as a stand-up comic because he was so successful. 
and other things. And then that's, that's funny. I, I, I'm surprised that Daryl, you had no exposure to Louis Anderson. Cause he seemed no, like I, I, I live in a bubble, man. I live in a bubble, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. It, I like it. I like it a lot. So, as, and aside from the, the entertainment deaths, there's one in sports that I want to talk about. Uh, Louisa Harris, did you guys hear about this? No. She was, um, she was a, a three-time All-American, three-time national champion in college before there was even an NCAA-sanctioned tournament in the 70s. And then um, she was the second woman ever drafted into the NBA, but really the first one officially because the first one, Denise Long in 1969, she was drafted by San Francisco and then the league voided the selection. But in uh, 1977, in the seventh round, when they had seven rounds of the of seven rounds of the NBA draft, the jazz took her. Um, she was the first officially drafted woman into the NBA. And actually they apparently had a legitimate interest in trying her out. She thought it was a publicity stunt and didn't want it to become a circus and ended up being a teacher. And she had a, a, you know, long career as a teacher. She was the first uh, black woman inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1992. Also played on the first women's Olympic team in 76. Scored the first basket in women's Olympic basketball play. And there's actually a uh, Shaquille O'Neal was working on a documentary about her when she died. So I'm sure it's being reworked and probably will be delayed a little bit, but. I'm sure that'd be fascinating. She's had a, a, a amazing life, and I'm sure as teachers, you guys would be interested in, in learning more about her. Um, but check her out. Uh, Louisa Harris is her name, or Lucia. So sorry. Before we get started on you know the burning issues in the sports world, I want to put in a good word for UMass. They actually they've been terrible on the men's basketball. Women's basketball has been very good, but the men's have been terrible. But last night, or I think it was last night, maybe the night before. Um, they beat St. Louis, and it was an absolute great game. They scored ninety points. You know, it was just, just them. It was just they just performed beautifully, and they didn't fold. And uh, you know, there was the smallest crowd I ever saw. The students are gone. Uh, honest to God, if they if there was five hundred people there, I'd be su- surprised. It actually sounded kind of loud. But, um, you know, if I could go to a Blazers game and know that there were going to be 500 people there, I would think about going. I mean, oh, the Blazers. Oh, my God. The Blazers. <laughs> Celtics. Um, you know, I have to say I agree with Joe that I love YouTube TV because I can sort of find out what's happening. So I watched a little bit of Portland Celtics last night, you know, in the middle of the game. And, it was, you know, the Celtics had rallied and were ahead. And then I, I just went and, you know, did my normal politics stuff because I could I knew I could check in and watch it whenever I wanted to. So after the game was over, I checked into it. Celtics had a hundred to eighty nine lead yep. with a very small amount of time to go. With and like, I think, actually, it was like four minutes left. It was like three and a half or four minutes that they yeah. went without scoring, which and, which for yeah. the Blazers, who have like the third worst defense in the league was that I I could not believe what I was seeing. It was it's unbelievable. And so they they blew that lead. Now the Blazers, they have three really good players. Nurkic, Nurkic is Nurkic, yeah. is excellent. McCollum's tremendous. And then that uh Simon guy, he dribbles yeah. too much, but he's good. He he dribbles cuz no one can get the ball from him when he does. He is he's really emerged and he's a 
he's actually going to be a restricted free agent. And I just wrote a piece yesterday about him, um, uh, ripcityproject.com, check it out, about what what he can expect next year. And he's going to be in that sort of Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, 22 to 20, 25, $26 million range next year. And probably, you know, four or five year deal. I wouldn't be surprised if someone throws a max deal at him. He's shown that he can score. He's averaging like 28 points a game in January. And they've had this surge since they sort of, they kind of bottomed out and Lillard went out and he had the surgery and now he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. And now all of a sudden they've won, I think, five of their last seven or four of their last six, something like that. They're playing better than they have all year. Nurkic, who has been sleepwalking through the whole season, you saw, I mean, he had 27 points and 17 rebounds or something the other night. He was, he was good when he's good. When he's engaged, he's so good. Same thing with Covington, but the two of them are both on expiring deals aren't coming back. They have no cap room next year. So they're still probably going to end up being a seller but now they're, you know, they're back in the playoff picture. So who knows? It's it's going to be. And an you know, the year. Celtics is what this season they have had more painful losses than than a, you know, just like this game. This game was probably the worst. But they've done this same scenario of fading at the end uh, and not scoring for the last four minutes. They just don't have enough scorers. Well, they've been doing the same thing that the Knicks have. Like they've got a lot of rotation players on that roster and they've been sort of cycling these guys through you know players go through long stretches of not playing and then being back in the rotation they definitely are are one of those teams like portland and like the knicks that need to make a deal soon and the the trade deadlines in you know three weeks so we'll see we're gonna see a lot of nba movement so matt you should you should think about going to a umass game this year They're, they're they're pretty much fun yeah. yeah, we've we've took the boys to a UMass hockey game, and they had fun there. Um, oh, good. I, you know, I'd love to go see a, a – I usually go with my father-in-law to yeah. check out some UMass games, and so he hasn't gotten any tickets yet this year. So Go go see the women's team. Go see a good team. Go see a women's game. You'll probably, probably... – we, we, we usually would, but I don't, are they going to do the field trip game this year? No, not this year. They're going to skip yeah. it this year, do it next year. Where's so the field trip game? That was a big for me. What's the field trip game? So the field trip day is they have this game at noon um, and they invite schools and usually three to 4,000 kids come, which is three to 4,000 more fans than they normally have. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I started this with Matt. Uh, I buy them my kids, little basketballs and they learn uh, some basketball agility drills. And then the, women let us um do a three-minute routine at halftime oh it's, i do remember that yeah, i do remember awesome. that yeah. yeah that's well and I, understandable why they're not doing it it's, it's a yeah. shame yeah. but yeah well i'll be retired and uh, i'll probably do it with someone next year so maybe i'll do it with you matt yeah you know? yeah, there you go. yeah so before we get into our usual rants stories of woe and complaints about <laughs> things uh, I got two two positive stories I want to talk about very quickly. Okay, so one of them is the Giants. No, well, that's the makes oh. it three actually. Yeah, uh, and we'll let Matt. Yeah, get, Matt can get into that. that. Right. But the because um, I have no idea who that guy was they hired. It was seemed like oh here's another middle you know youngish white dude. Seems like he's heavy on the analytics too, which I'm sure you're gonna love. But anyway, there was a 
uh, high school, Bethel Park High School in Pennsylvania, um, Martin Luther King Day, they had a giant snowstorm. And instead of having his weight players come, uh, the football coach, instead of having his players come lift weights that day, he went on Twitter and told them to go and shovel snow for disabled people and elderly people in their neighborhoods and said, that's, that, that's our workout for the day. And go ahead, don't take any money. And so, uh, you know, a couple of a dozen, a couple of dozen of his players went out and, and shoveled nice. a bunch of walks. And so, you know, we hear about, we always, we always bring attention to the coaches that are abusing their players and, you know, screaming at them and yelling horrible things. Let's, let's shout out a coach who seems to be pointing his young men in the right direction. Uh, so uh, Brian DeLallo, is that his name? Sorry, let me get his name right. Yes, Brian DeLallo, Bethel Park High School, Pennsylvania. Nice job. Keep it up. And then the other um, kind of a breakthrough for the first time since 2013, there'll be a woman full-time, almost full-time driving an IndyCar. Her name's Tatiana Calderon. She's been um, driving in like the endurance class for a couple of years and she's also been a test driver for one of the formula one teams for four years she's 28 so she's not she's young enough where she's still got the best part of her career ahead of her but she's experienced enough where people can't use her age against her you see a lot of men break into formula one and indycar when they're 18 19 years old for women. when do they when do they lose it when do they stop in their 30s I would say they probably peak early thirties, mid thirties. You tend to see there are so always not many 40 year olders. There are always some and there yeah. that you can race until you're into your mid forties pretty effectively, but there definitely is sort of a crest. I think for most drivers at 37, 38. And again, like there are plenty of, of outliers as a guy who just retired race until he was 44 and was still, still just as good as he was, you know, when he was 27. So she has a good 10 years ahead of her. So we'll see. And she's racing for a good team, which is kind of a rarity. Usually when we see women drivers come into IndyCar or NASCAR, they're racing for second or third rate teams. She's probably in the third or fourth best team in the field. So she has a chance to finish, you know, top half of, of races. So, I'll be curious. She's doing what they do with a lot of rookie drivers. IndyCar, they race on, I think, 14 uh, road or street courses that are like twisty, curvy, turn right and turn left, and then a handful of ovals. And the ovals are considered much more dangerous because the speeds are so much higher and there's you lose grip and you hit the wall. There's really nowhere else to go. The the other courses, the the mishaps are at lower speeds and there's less things to hit. So she's only going to race on the street and road courses, which is the majority of them, which means she won't be in the Indy 500, but that'll come next year. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how her, her career develops, but she's got a great reputation in the lower, the lower race classes. So we'll see what happens next year. You want me to get on the giants? Oh yeah. Get you on the giants. Who, who is this guy? Who's this GM they hired? They hired Joe Shane. Joe Shane was, um, I, I honestly didn't hear anything about him prior to this. I mean, I had sent you my wish list right. of who I wanted the Giants to pick. Uh, he wasn't, I never heard of this guy. He was the Bills assistant GM. So, I Bills mean, Bills have had quite a great yeah, turnaround. They, 
he was a part of the drafting of Josh Allen, which has turned out to be a great pick. Brilliant. But I do remember at the time, you know, it was similar to how fans reacted to Daniel Jones at six. You're like, you're going with Josh Allen from Wyoming at seven. So it was a little bit of a question mark there. Um, well, and, that, and that's kind of, that was kind of my point to you in general about the, the Jones pick is that if it works out, it, it doesn't matter whether you took him at seven right. or two or 35. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and, and that's fair. It, I just, my, my feeling on that is it, it just makes it harder because it comes with the expectations that are greater and you can be a decent quarterback and if, but a decent quarterback shouldn't be drafted at six overall when you have other glaring needs. I'm okay with the Joe Shane higher. I'm, um, we will see. I was talking to my brother about it, and and I basically I, I kind of am and two sides. If he brings along Brian Dable, who I am high on as possible head coach, chances are they're going to ride with Daniel Jones and try to do. Brian Dable is is the OC for the Bills, so it would make sense that they would try to do to Daniel Jones what they have been able to do with Josh Allen. But that's a risk. The Giants have had three first-time head coaches in a row after Tom Coughlin. They had uh, oh, Ben McAdoo, yeah. Pat Shermer. He had he he was with the Browns for a few weeks, so let's not count that as as a head coach job. And then Joe Judge, and they're zero for three on that. So, you know, it would be risky to go with the Brian Dable first-time head coach. Great play caller doesn't mean he could lead a locker room full of professional football players. Or do you, the Giants are linked right now to Brian Flores and Dan Quinn um, as, as their other top kind of candidates right now. So, you know, I, I think if they bring in Brian Flores, I, I think there's a, a strong possibility they try to go the route of bringing in Deshaun Watson. And I'm already starting to cringe at that a little bit because <laughs> they're going to have to give up a fortune for him. Well, if you want to, if you want somebody with experience, there's two coaches who have experience and are available: um, Urban Meyer mm. and uh, John and John Gruden. You could bring in Gruden well. and bring in, bring in Gruden and Watson. That'd be a great uh, combo. Yeah. Tasteless, so, Joe. Tasteless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I I I like. I'm um, um, I, I look. I'm um, um, as. Anyone who's listened to the show knows how disgusted I am by the Giants this year and and sort of they've been an embarrassment. Hey, at the beginning of the season next year, I'll I will think they are contending for the Super Bowl because that's what fans do. And uh, you know, I, th- we'll see what happens with the Joe Shane. We'll see how he drafts in his first draft and I'm I'm hopeful though that they finally will have a GM and a head coach coming in together. So they really can have a clear vision, yeah. have a clear, cause that's what the giants have been missing. You have a GM and you have a coach. And if they're opposing each other, they're not working in sync and, and look at what happens. So hopefully now they, they at least will have a pair that are supportive of each other, have a, a similar vision and good communication. Uh, well, you know, th- I guess. this guy Joe Shane too. Before he was with the Bills, he he has a long scouting background. Yeah, like that's what he did. All he was somebody's director of scouting. So I think the Carolina least, Panthers. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so I think at least there seems to be 
a focus on player evaluation, which this team's done pretty terribly in in recent mm-hmm. memory. And I'm I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that Dayball would be inclined to to keep Jones. I would think if you bring that guy in, they'd probably be more inclined to dump him for a fifth round pick and just draft somebody else. I they they've got they do have two high picks, right? And that's this is the time I think to to do it again. Like you said, you're resetting with the coach and the GM. May as well reset with the quarterback mm-hmm. too. I, I guess I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you if they drafted a young guy and gave Daniel Jones one shot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I don't think Daniel Jones is the long term answer. I think if another I, I think if like a Flores or a Dan Quinn come in, I think they're looking to ship Daniel Jones now-ish and 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 ride with some try to find a veteran to bridge the gap a little bit for, because there are Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell. Those are like your top four quarterbacks. None of them are franchise, you know, oh, I, I think Corral and Pickett are both clearly better than Daniel Jones. And well, what, how about this? What's so wrong with drafting one of those having Jones be your starter for another year, year and a half, and at that point he's the veteran backup that you need. I mean, he'll be there's four or five years. There's, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that at all, and so I wouldn't be. The only problem, and I think Joe, you were, you said this maybe last week or a few weeks ago, and I agree with you. Someone is going to jump up early to get those guys. I think if you, if, if I would be okay with the Giants taking their third round pick on one of those young athletic quarterbacks, but there's no way they get there. You know, if the giants maybe trade back later in the first round and pick up an extra pick, if they trade away one of those top two, 10 picks. Okay. I I just, I don't think where the giants sit right now with two top 10 picks, you, I mean, you can get two, two great players. That, you can get that center from uh, uh Linder Linder Brown, Linder something from Iowa, I think, and you can I mean, fingers crossed if you can get Neil from Alabama. I mean, th- there. Now you you know you've immediately become one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. Well, I don't know about that. You get well, a lot better. I'm exaggerating. You, you improve. You get a lot better, better, but but I also think those players can't can only take you so far if your quarterback stinks. And I think you, you, we all know that Daniel Jones has limitations well short of re- recurring Super Bowl champion, right? And that you're only going to get so far with him. And, I, man, again, I think the time to reset. And if you like who he is as a human, keep him, on, keep him around. He can be the number two. He can be a great – he'd be a great backup a year and a half from now. Mm-hmm. Someone that you know you can count on uh, – Consistent performance, nothing spectacular, but you could. Again, I hate this phrase, but he's a he would be a good game manager. He'd be a, a, a able to learn and adapt to whatever system you're going to change to for a new quarterback. I I don't see. Here's the thing. I see it in the next two to three years. They're going to have to replace him as their starter. Mm-hmm. If you you have to to get and even drafting a quarterback this high. You have maybe a one in three or four chance that they're going to work out, that they're going to turn into a Josh Allen and not a Ryan Leaf, right? So 
but to do that, to take one of those one in three, one in four shots, you have to do that in the top six, seven picks. That's where those top two or three quarterback candidates go every year. We've seen it every year. And I'm the first one to say that we overemphasize the importance of quarterbacks in the NFL. But we well, know what's interesting about quarterbacks now uh, is that, you know, it's sort of why, you know, Brady's kind of um, the exception. Um, and he's helped because he's taken a uh, low salary most of his career, but um, you can't pay your quarterback a ton of money. It, you know, some, some teams can, but it really, uh, the teams that do really well are the teams that have the quarterback on the first five-year deal yeah. because they're only yeah. sending a small percentage of their uh, salary cap on quarterbacks. Once you have them, once they're in the 25 million range, that really limits, especially if you've like the Patriots have made some bad decisions in, in other ways, um, you know, development wise, it can really mess you up. The Patriots lucked out on their quarterback, but their team is looking dismal for the year, next couple of years. Dismal. Oh, again, yeah, all right. Again, I disagree. Y'all, dismal. y'all, Y'all said the same thing now, I mean, this year, and they won. Yeah, but, games, but so. you know, Belichick's had a ton of money to spend. He spent it, and it was pretty successful. But um, they're now going to have salary cap issues, and will, they still they had a t- terrible offensive line. They couldn't run. Will they'll, fig- they'll figure it out. You guys never commented on my hot take that I sent. Will Bill Belichick make an appearance at another Super Bowl? I mean, right now may, I'd say no. He may. The thing is, he he may be a year or two from retirement, and there's really no guarantee. You know, in the NFL, I if he came back with the best team in the league next year, there you know there'd be a thirty five percent chance that he makes it to the Super Bowl. So I mean, his they they improved in the short run with all the money he spent. So they you know this year was a big improvement, and they've went they went once they lost Brady and fell apart for a year. It only took them the next year to have a winning record. So that's a pretty good recovery. And Belichick finally did okay in the draft. But the Patriots are in bad shape. They're moving in the direction of the Giants. I don't don't think it's that bad. Uh, (laughs) Well, the Giants may have have bottomed out. I'm assuming that the Giants are going to improve. I'm actually actually kind of agree with Daryl, but in a different way. I think they're both sort of going to be plateaued for a little bit. I think the Patriots are. Maybe we'll see them kind of hover in the sort of playoff qualifier but not Super Bowl contender range for a couple of years, and the Giants are going to stink for at least a couple more. Sorry, Matt. I I, I agree. I agree. Welcome to to Jets land. I don't don't think for We hope on the Jets – We'll see. I, you know, I really, I've, I've gone on record here saying that I really like Thibodeau. There's some great offensive line prospects, you know, that'll go three tackles that are going to go in the top eight picks. Probably there's a couple other pass rushers. There's um, uh, what's his name? Stingley's son, uh, Derek Stingley, yep. who's, you know, fantastic. I'd be thrilled if they got, Stingley and Thibodeau. That's that's my pipe dream for the Jets for the draft. We that happens, I might have to join the optimistic Jets crowd for a couple minutes. We'll see. Probably won't. Boy, so when you talk about Stingley, I actually saw that hit. Oh I wow! Was watching the game, it was just devastating. The, you know, it, it was as bad as the uh, Benny Kid Emil Griffith fight. I, I watched that <laughs> oh, too yeah, as yeah, a yeah. kid. 
um, you know, it's awful to see those horrible, horrible injuries. And I have to say, I watched a fair amount of football this year. It's a brutal game. Oh my God. It's a brutal game. Every play somebody is like, can't even get off the field. You know, it, you know I, I will say this. It does seem like, cause we saw, what was it? Maybe three to five years ago, they started to change the application of the rules around using your head and leading with your helmet and yeah. all these, we had all that this period where there were all these penalties, right. While the players were relearning the game. And it seems like they have relearned the game and it does seem it's at least to me, it seems like tackling technique is a lot safer. We used to see um, almost every tackle, the defender launching themselves off their feet into a into a ball carrier and when you do that it's really hard to control the angle of your head and your shoulders like when you have to you know keep your body square and stable and then you can sort of get your head out of the way and, and move properly to avoid these penalties so I, I i guess i am seeing a lot fewer of the sort of like human missile hits i mean i agree man there's still you know you can't can't go eight plays without seeing somebody's knee get buckled under in a weird way or somebody take a so shot to the head. The Stingley period, it's probably, you know, you guys pro probably, you didn't really experience it or, or see it, but it was when um, the mantra was to knock the player out, knock the player out of the game. That was the goal of most of those defensive backs was to eliminate the other player. And, um, and I mean, when Stingley, it was, it was awful. You knew the second he got hit that this is terrible. Well, yeah. it just happened this Monday night with Buda Baker uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. He went in to make a tackle, and him and Cam Akers had a pretty violent collision, and Buda Baker went down. Um, that was a scary. His his arms are stiff. Um, oh. He was knocked out. You know, they take him to the hospital. But I think, too, I mean, do you remember Sunday night um, – uh, I, I, NFL matchup or something like that, right? On Sunday night, they would have a whole segment called You Got Jacked Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that right? wasn't and that long ago. Maybe, that, you know, seven, eight years ago, probably. And, yeah. it, it, and players would compete and, and they would have little in-house betting on how many jacked up hits did I get? And and so the emphasis was was jack somebody up. And, and you know, I, I think the NFL has done a good job of, de-emphasizing that it's no longer really celebrated those big hits um if somebody's getting hurt you know they play a replay to show it but they're not celebrating it on the highlights show anymore like they used to right um, they're showing it almost like a, as a medical drama like when you're be it's being presented differently absolutely yeah and so. i think too like we're seeing more kind of wrap up and drag down tackles than yeah. sort of head down launch launch body tackles. I I think it doesn't I don't know if all these improvements are actually gonna matter. I mean how much longer I mean we still have boxing. We have MMA. We have a sport where people literally kick each oh. other in the head. Oh. I, I don't I don't see you know I mean, we're kind of we are Rome. Rome is burning. Rome had gladiators. We have football. That's and demolition much, derby. Man, demolition derby is a million times safer than football. Trust me on that. Oh, that's that's very sad. That's very sad. Matt, how do you feel about 
if your kids at say 12 years old decide they want to play football? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're not, I, and, and I, I know I'm copping out. They're not 12. So I'm not, Yeah, no, I know. I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. My middle son was very athletic and, you know, I was afraid he was going to want to play, but fortunately he never did. So I, I, well, I how think, about if they're nine and they want to play pop Warner? Well, I, I think I'm, I would, I, I would push them towards flag football. If, if, if they yeah, want to yeah. play football, they're going to have to play flag football yeah. first and play flag football for a few years and learn. And the that's, game. Like, that's like soccer. There's a lot of running there. Um, both my kids love watching football with me now this year. Um, I think I, I talked about it before on the show. Tyler's new obsession is um, this history of Super Bowls, and he's got these mini pennants for every team in the league. And so he he he, he woke up the other morning and was googling um, uh, Super Bowl matchups, and and he takes his pennants out and he he's like, "Hey, Dad, you know the Patriots have the most Super Bowl wins of all?" And he was like, "The Giants actually beat the Patriots twice." Like, so they're into football. Um, if the if I'm I am not asking them if they want to play, I'm not pushing it on them. I mean, I'm 37 and I can't walk anymore. And it, it's not all because of football. It, it football helped me out a lot personally and, and taught me a lot about life. But the physic physically, if my kids never play football, I'm okay with that. If they want to yeah. play, they're going to play flag football first. That's the way I felt too. You know, I, I feel like I could have learned the same lessons playing basketball, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the, the exact same lessons. And probably looking back at who were my, who, who were the basketball coaches in my high school and who the football coaches were, definitely would have been better off playing basketball. The two, two fantastic teachers and coaches ran that basketball program and I you know I had friends who played for him but I I I actually had played for one of the coaches in junior high and then got to high school and decided in winter um after football season was going to take a physical break and I was was in the play actually all four years of high school instead it was Danny Zuko senior year in Greece Uh, Greece light I did I did uh <laughs> I did uh acting too it was a lot of fun I was for, not for, I was no good for uh, grease lightning that we used so the trainer had a golf cart had a, a red and black Woodbridge Barons golf cart and so we had the the wood shop made like a fake you know Chrysler front for nice. it and I I had this privilege because I had been my uncle was the had been the football coach until my senior year. I had been hanging around that the the stadium since I was a little kid. So they let me drive the friggin' golf cart on the stage. And they were like, huh. We wouldn't let any other student in the school do this. Right. He can do this. So I got to drive the golf cart on stage, like just out from the wings, just like, you know, fifteen yeah. feet out to the front of the stage for the, the drive in scene where I get slapped in the door gets slammed on my crotch and yeah nice a lot of fun a lot of fun doing that doing the high school play um you know we probably should mention the olympics i don't really have much to talk about with the olympics i mean well how about are you okay with china well no no yeah that's my issue there is, is yeah. so you Darryl, you think we shouldn't be sending the athletes i think we should not be sending the athletes yeah I think and that, that's, I know 
That's terrible for these athletes, but we're sending them. So it doesn't, what I think doesn't matter, but yeah, we should not. I mean, the, the, the Olympics are such a mess. They should just set up permanently in, in Athens, Greece. And, and that's where it's going to be that the, the places that bid and win, um, have disasters afterwards. And the only reason China is getting so many is that no one else wants to do it. And China's looking to legitimize uh, a truly awful regime. I think and, so. I think speaking of uh, awful religiously run regimes, I think Salt Lake City has a good case for hosting the Winter Olympics every year. You guys didn't get my Mormon joke. Anyway. And I think Salt Lake City is is set up to to do all that right they've got the it's where the u.s olympic team trains so they've got all these facilities that are being used throughout the year it's not like we see in all these cities where they build all this stuff and then it, it goes like look at sochi look at all those buildings they built in sochi yeah. that are just sitting there unused it's um i i i, I sort of agree daryl that we shouldn't that the athletes shouldn't be going it's really hard for me to tell one of these athletes that they oh, should absolutely. go. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with. You gonna watch I, it? Are you gonna watch it? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't, I'm not planning on it. I mean, other than hockey, I might watch hockey. I, I we are probably gonna watch it. Um, it makes sense to show the kids the Olympics, and, that, and that's really it. Um, it happening every four years. I, it, this is like the, they're my kids I, it, with sports too. It, it, they're very impressionable. And so, you know, I, we probably will watch a little bit with them, uh, talk about it. I plan on doing a, a winter Olympics unit in PE for my, my students, you know, uh, teach them a little bit of history, but no, I'm not excited about it. Are they old enough to be exposed to the concept of China being a despicable administration? Yeah. Not yet. No, I mean Tyler's seven, Jake is six. I I don't I don't know what how I would talk to them about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. You I know, mean, you, you don't really hard. need to. It, it would be hard to do without turning it into a good good guys, bad guys type of situation. Yeah. And you know, like we Daryl and I were brought up on that with the Russians. Like we were all supposed to be afraid of the Russians, and then, you know, by when the, that all collapsed, we learned how silly that was. And well, we, and now they're back, more evil than, than before. Well, and and maybe China is a bigger economic threat to us than Russia ever was. And you know, the problem is we keep giving them all our money. So I think you know, yeah, there there are there are bigger messages in this particular Olympics in China. That I think, again, it would have to be a, a, and I think if the U.S. decided to pull out, a lot of other countries would follow behind. But right, but it it would have had to already have done it, and it's, it's right. Too but they they certainly could have held a you know, call it whatever the special United States 2022 championships in Salt Lake City and had all the same events and and gotten the other the half of the world that pulled out of the Chinese Olympics to participate, it, it would have been, I think at that point, at, almost as meaningful for those athletes. I think they could have, they could have, again, Daryl, you're right. It would have required a lot more planning and a lot more forethought than they put into it, but they they could have pulled something off. But again, I think Salt Lake city is a good candidate for a, for a permanent. And I think again, 
great idea. Have the Olympics in these same two locations. Yeah. Athens is another city that could that could handle it and you know would do wonders it's, for Greece. You know, Greece's it's economy sort of like is, it, it's um it's sort of like it's a awful uh devil that moves from place to place and, and infects and leaves the area devastated after it leaves and in financial ruin. Um, well, so and, it's and, really, it's a tough one. And we end up, we're in the same friggin' position that we are in with our own stupid government here is that the people who are in charge of the system benefit from the system as it is. Those, the people who are on the IOC make yeah. billions in bribe money every two years basically now with the summer winter olympics when all these cities start to bid the, the people in congress and the and the people in in executive office and in judicial office their their money comes from the top so their yeah. decisions are going to be made to benefit the top and man i i saw the don't look up at the top joe don't look up <laughs> well we saw you know we it, and again, Daryl and I remember the good old days before Ronald Reagan when, you know, two teachers could have a, a nice house and a shore house and a couple of cars and go on vacation three or four times a year. And everyone lived that way and no one thought it was weird. Now, if that's your lifestyle, you know, you, you got to be wealthy to live like that. So yeah. I think, you know, I, I saw, the, saw the graph, like this horrifying graph of the U.S. wealth distribution and the the top 5% and the bottom and the middle half were right neck and neck. And then Reagan got elected and the top 5% went like this and everybody else has gone like this. Sorry, this is bad radio, but the, I, I'm drawing a line going yeah, shooting straight yeah. up in the air for Ronald Reagan and everything else flattened out, in, you know, starting in 1983. And if you want to point back to the beginning of the end, I'd say that's it economically. Yeah. I don't know how far are we from the end of the end, Daryl? We got 10 more years. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we do. But the thing is what's scary right now is the environment and not moving quickly enough. You know, that's, what's really scary. I honestly, I thought that climate change would be something that my grandkids experienced that I wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. It definitely did, did seem to, we've gone very quickly from, Oh, this is something we should be paying attention to, to, oh, this is something that's significantly affecting, starting to affect all of us pretty consistently. I mean, I, I would say there probably hasn't been a, a person on earth who hasn't been adversely affected by a serious weather event in the last couple of years, right? Like, it seems like those things, you know, there's been some sort of historic storm or hurricane or tornado or tsunami somewhere I mean, we get these stories, and again, it could be that we're just seeing them reported on more frequently than they were, but. That's really true. You know, I think that the coverage, like Matt, the world you've grown up with, you know, and it's my, my son, Ben, is um, sort of similar age to you, and he, um, like, they, you know what happens while it happens, yeah. you know? I yeah. I knew how the Celtics did by reading the print edition of the Globe the next day. And if it was same with the Red Sox, and if it was an away game, it wasn't even in there. It wasn't even in the next day's paper. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. yeah the I mean, world has changed. Colbert was brilliant uh, of some many years ago when he said to the editor of the New York 
times. Um, so you're saying there's nothing in this paper that happened today? <laughs> well, and this is, again, this is the thing that cons- I consistently find interesting about this show is that, Daryl, you came around before electronic sports broadcasts and access right. and also before by the time it I was started, boxing and baseball, that's all we ever saw as kids. Right. By the time I was a kid, I could get every Knicks game, every Yankees game, every Rangers game, every Jets game on television. But I still didn't have. I again was reading about everything the next day. If I didn't I didn't have to watch it live, I was reading about it, trying to trying to extrapolate what happened in a game from a seven line box score. Mm-hmm. And but Matt, by the time you came around, I'm sure every game you could see every game on TV all the time. And you know, and you, you, you even had, if you're not watching it, you know what the score is in the first and, quarter. And you the always had quarter. the ability to follow the line, and also probably always had the ability to record games. Like I remember the the novelty of you know when I was in my 20s, my early 20s, late teens, all of a sudden being able to record stuff. Well, wait, wait, I don't, I can, I don't have to watch this when it happens. I worked. For a while in my early 20s, I worked from four to midnight at this place doing um, like PowerPoint presentations for pharmaceutical companies mostly. And but I worked this four to midnight shift so we could never watch the Nick or Ranger games. But that was sort of the beginning of the, the VCR era. And I, I that was, you know, I've, I have this long, long running tradition of recording things and watching them later with sporting events. It's kind of tough. And it was even tougher then. You know, I just have to not listen to the radio. On That's the why home. you love YouTube TV. I I do love, I love what it does. The problem is they're not carrying the Blazers anymore. So the Blazers are on Root Sports now, which is what used to be NBC Sports. They got bought again. Mm. But they're only carried on something called Fubo. And the, oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have like the local cable. So and my other option would be to get League Pass. But the problem is League Pass blocks out your local team. So to do that, I would need a VPN because they, they want you to pay for cable. The teams want you to pay for, they want me to pay for Comcast or whoever the local cable company is. So instead I'm paying way too much for Fubo TV right now. So my option, I I'm, I need to look into this. You can get a, this will go, Daryl, you're going to love this talk. Uh, VPN, Matt, you familiar with v- VPNs? Uh, that's the, like the ID, the address, right? It's a virtual private network. It's basically allows you to spoof the internet into thinking that you're logging on from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I can pantomime my location to wherever, mm-hmm. Cape Cod, Amherst, yep. Agawam, and then pay my $15 a month just to watch the Blazers games. Cause I, I don't watch anything else on Fubo TV except the Blazers, everything else I can get from YouTube. So. Again, none of none of whom are paying us for this, so <laughs> unless they want to, um, yeah. it, it, ca- cable is out of control, though. I mean, I, it, Joe, we are we were talking about it this week at dinner. Like, we need to do something. Our cable bill is ridiculous. The way they it, get it. It, it is, you're right. And but the thing is, you, do you have any any place other than cable to get your internet connection? No, no. So right there. I pay Comcast a hundred a month just for the privilege of that, just having yeah. that. And then you throw in the 60 bucks for um, uh, YouTube TV. I'm up to what cable used to cost me, but you know, 
Yeah. Wow. So that your your home internet is a hundred dollars just for the internet. Yeah. Wow. I pay sixty and I have very very fast fiber connection here. So I I don't know if we're just lucky. I think I definitely want to say that our utilities out here, at least in Oregon, California may not be the case, but are cheaper than that I remember them being in either Massachusetts or New Jersey, in general. But I pay. I pay sixty two, I think, for my internet. I pay that's cheap. Twenty eight bucks a month for electricity. Uh my water bill is forty five. What else do I have? That's about it. No, yeah, man. I wish I could say the same. Yeah. Can, can I just take a second to to laugh at the cowboys? Sure. And and did you guys watch the Cowboys the end of that game? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Which game? Against the Cowboys, Niners. 49ers. And man, what a great comeback that would have been. What a great so game that. Yeah. I actually like, here I am. I was folding clothes and, and doing laundry and putting my clothes away. So I was in my bedroom. The boys were out in the living room watching, doing something else. So I was watching the game in my room. I, first of all, like I, I you, being a Giants fan, I don't like the Cowboys and loving it. The Cowboys are coming back. I'm like, great. Never going to hear the end of this. And then the 49ers, right after uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did that QB sneak for a first down, I left my bedroom. I didn't realize that they were flagged for not having the offensive linemen set. Oh, I didn't wow. realize that. So oh, wow. I never knew that they ended up punting back to the Cowboys. Oh man. See, I saw, as soon as that happened, as soon as they snapped the ball, I was like, that's coming back. Cause it was so, it was so obvious. He, he, yeah. didn't, he wasn't set for a fraction of a, I don't think he was even back down in his stance. I, I didn't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm putting clothes away. I was walking. I, so I just saw, Oh, first down game over. So I go into the living room. I'm like, all right, boys, 49ers won. And because they did win, like nothing got alerted. I didn't right. get a notification oh, right, right, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. They won. So I just assumed, yep, they, they kneel it. And then I'm looking at the the highlights and I'm like, how did they even get the ball back? But why? I mean, I, I never would like to say, yeah, you should be fired. But Mike McCarthy, you should be fired. You You have way well, too good of a team. But again, it wasn't McCarthy's fault. What the quarterback's supposed to do is go down at four seconds. You're supposed to run. You see, he was supposed to get 10, year, 10 yards, go down, spike the ball. He tried to stretch the run. Whether he thought he could score, I, I can't quite tell. I, that's the only explanation I have. But the play called from the sideline wasn't run around till time runs out. It was get eight to 12 yards, get down, on, get down on the ground, spike it so we can run one more play from closer in. Not, not again, not a decision. And, they and should... hand it to the referee, not to the center. Right. Hand it to the exactly. referee. That was like, that was a fundamental mistake. That was like, I, that was, I put that on the, ma the uh, manager, the uh, coaches. Well, well that, the other that... fundamental mistake, I think you should just, they should have just taken two shots at the end zone. I think yeah. 14 seconds, you have time to do that, but I mean, I'm not, my, my thing is, it's not so much about the play call. I don't really get it, but I know we only got like 30 seconds left, but it's, Dak Prescott has to be coached to go down early, and he has to be, he should have yes. been coached 
the referee needs to get the ball. And right. that, so that's on McCarthy. I I don't I'm 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 a, I don't know again. No, none of us know. We we weren't at practice with these guys, but I would imagine that that was something that was coached, and that he just forgot in the in the heat of the moment. We'll see. We'll we'll, we'll never know. All right. Well, listen. Thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D, and Joe, and we will see you next week, same place, same time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.